Today is the fourth Sunday after Easter, and of course, the beginning of the month of May, the month we dedicate to Our Lady. The epistle for this fourth Sunday after Easter is taken from the, the epistle of St. James, chapter 1. Dear beloved, every best gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no change nor shadow of alteration, for of his own will has he begotten us by the word of truth, that we might be some beginning of his creatures, you know, my dearest brethren. And let every man be quick to hear, but slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not work the justice of God. Wherefore, casting away all uncleanness and abundance of malice, with meekness receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of St. John. That time Jesus said to his disciples, I go to him that sent me, and none of you ask me, where do you go? But because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go, for if I do not go, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convince the world of sin and of justice and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not in me. And of justice, because I go to the Father and you shall see me no longer. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is already judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will teach you all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, what things soever he shall hear, he shall speak, and the things that are to come he shall show you. He shall glorify me, because he shall receive of mine, and shall show it to you. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, when the Israelites were delivered from slavery in Egypt and went into the desert, for what turned out to be a 40-year sojourn there, God decided that he wanted to have some way to indicate his presence among them. And so he commanded them to build two things, whereby his presence would be prominent to them all throughout those 40 years. One thing that they were to build was something that the Scripture calls a tabernacle or a sanctuary or dwelling place. It's just like a big tent that he asked them to construct. And the second thing that he asked them to build was a chest made out of wood. What the special name for this chest was an ark, an ark that would be put inside of that tabernacle. What is interesting is, is that God gives very, very, very specific instructions uh, very detailed instructions about the construction of both that sanctuary, that big tent, and also the construction of that ark of wood. And I especially want to focus on the ark and talk about the instructions that God gave for the making of the ark and also what to put inside that chest. He said that the ark needed to be made of acacia wood. Acacia wood was a special type of wood that was incorruptible. If you made something out of this wood, no matter how long you had this artifact or whatever it was, the wood would never rot. 
It would never corrupt over a long period of time. And also the ark, that wood that, that was made of the ark, was to be covered in pure gold. And by pure gold, I don't mean just like the ark had to be all gold around it, but that the gold itself was not meant to contain any impurities. It was not meant to contain any other metals in it besides gold. The gold was a symbol of the holiness of the ark, just as today, you know, we we make the chalice. At least the cup of the chalice needs to be out of gold, and the servers know they're not supposed to touch the gold, the gold chalice, because it's consecrated, it's sacred. So too, the ark was, was gold to indicate its holiness, and the Israelites were commanded not to touch the ark. And so God commanded that there be these poles, these golden poles that would be placed on either side of the ark. And when they needed to transport the ark, uh, they would carry it by means of the poles. They wouldn't touch the ark itself. They would, they would transport it by means of the poles alone. And there was an unfortunate episode you might have read about in the Old Testament when David wanted to transfer the Ark of the Covenant to his new headquarters in Jerusalem. He made the unfortunate decision of having the Ark carried on a um, wagon, basically, that was, that was being drawn by some cattle instead of having the, the Ark taken by foot. Uh, with with men carrying it using using the poles there, um, and, and they went they were going along on on this cart, and at one point they hit they hit a bump in the road, and there were men all around the ark, and and the ark started to tip, looked like it was going to fall off the wagon, and there was a certain man named Oza stretched out his hand to steady the ark and keep it on the wagon, and immediately he was struck dead because you're not supposed to touch the ark. No one is supposed to touch the Ark of God. So the Ark was so sacred that no one was supposed to touch it. And on top of the Ark, God instructed that, that they were to construct what was called the mercy seat, what he called the mercy seat. So you have the top of the Ark, it's covered with gold, and then there's these two angels that are supposed to be placed there to cherubim, special type of angel, the second highest angel, and they have their wings that were supposed to overshadow the ark. And that mercy seat was meant to be the throne of God, where God would sit and dwell among his people, where he would reign among his people. So those were the main instructions for the making of the ark on the outside, but God also gave instructions as to what they were to put inside of the ark. He said they were to put three things in the ark. The first thing was the covenant that he had made with them. That's why it's called the ark of the covenant. What was the covenant? Well, the covenant was God's deal with the Israelites. It was the compact that he had with them. He said to them, you keep my laws, you obey them, you obey me, and I will give you many blessings. And he listed all those blessings. And he etched the covenant on stone, as you know. He put the Ten Commandments. He wrote them with his own finger, as it were. That's how Scripture decides, uh, describes it. He wrote with his own finger the covenant, the Ten Commandments. That was what they were to follow, the Ten Commandments. And if they followed that, that would be keeping their side of the deal, and God would bless them, keeping his side of the deal. So... The covenant was placed inside the ark. 
And then also this heavenly bread that God gave the Israelites during their wanderings was to be put in there. The manna, God asked them to have a golden jar which would contain some of the manna. And, and what happened with this manna, most, most of the manna, it would corrupt after one day. They were only supposed to have it for one day. And then it would, it would rot, except on the Sabbath when it would stay for two days. They could preserve it for two days. If you looked at the use-by date on it, it would be a two-day date instead of a one-day date. So this manna inside the ark did not corrupt. It remained the same over a period of time, so by a special miracle. And then the third thing in the ark was the rod of Aaron, the staff of Aaron, the staff of his priesthood by which he worked miracles and by which he governed as a Levitical priest, as the high priest of the people. So this Ark of the Covenant that was found by Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, in fact, is not been found to this day. We still, to this day, do not know where it is. The book of Maccabees talks about it being placed in a cave in Mount Nebo where Moses looked over the promised land, but nobody has found it. Um, the, the main thing, though, is, is that we understand what the purpose of God was in having this ark, that he wanted to have a way to indicate his presence among them. So he had them build what was for him a throne on which he sat and which contained the main aspects of his relationship with his own people. After Moses finished building the tabernacle, that, that tent, that big dwelling place, according to the instructions given him, and after the Ark of the Covenant was built, Scripture decides, describes rather what happened when, when they took that Ark into the, the dwelling place. Then the cloud covered the meeting tent, and the glory of the Lord filled the dwelling. Moses could not enter the meeting tent because the cloud settled down upon it. Whenever the cloud rose from the dwelling, the Israelites would set out on their journey. But if the cloud did not lift, they would not go forward. Only when it lifted did they go forward. So after they took the ark into, the, into this dwelling place, a cloud came down from the sky and settled on that tabernacle. Called a special cloud called the Shekinah. Same thing happened when they dedicated the temple, indicating that God was now sitting on his throne. And he used this cloud as a way to guide the people, that when the clouds stayed there in the tabernacle, they were to stay put. They were not to go anywhere. But when the cloud rose and went off into the distance, they were to pack up their things and start proceeding in the direction that the cloud was heading until the cloud stopped, and they, they would stop, and the cloud would again, again settle, on the Ark of the Covenant, and they would make their camp there in that place. So what is, what is very interesting for us who live in the New Testament is that God gave those very, very specific instructions for the building of the, of the tabernacle, that sanctuary, and for the building of the Ark. And of course, we know that he had a plan, that God saw, sees all of history at one moment. And therefore, he's able to plan something in the current day, which will be a symbol of something that will happen way off in the future. And this is what happens with so many things that God does in the Old Testament. The things of the Old Testament are meant to be a foreshadowing of some sort of fulfillment that is to happen in the New Testament. And this is certainly true with one of the most important things that indicated his relationship with his people in the Old Testament. 
the Ark of the Covenant. So what we, what we do is we look in the New Testament and we say to ourselves, is there something in the New Testament that's a fulfillment of the Ark of the, of the Covenant? Where the Ark of the Covenant, we can say, was just a mere shadow of what has now been realized in the New Testament. Is there perhaps something in the New Testament that's like that acacia wood, that's completely incorruptible, that doesn't have any sin whatsoever? Is there something that's completely gold, gold all over? In other words, totally holy, full of grace. Is there something where God settles down and dwells in that thing? Do we have some such thing in the New Testament? Of course we do. Of course we do. It is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Blessed Virgin Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. The Blessed Virgin Mary is the house of gold. This is what we call her, the golden house in her litany. And we call her the Ark of the Covenant because she's the complete realization of what the Ark of the Covenant was meant to represent. She's the total fulfillment of all that the Ark of the Covenant was meant to be. How so? Well, I've already mentioned that she's totally and utterly incorruptible. Incorrupt in her soul. Incorrupt in her body. And also untouched. Untouchable and untouched. Ever virgin. That she's completely holy. Like that pure gold. Without any contamination or impurities in it. No admixture of base metal in Our Lady. But what about the cloud? Is there a realization in the New Testament of a cloud descending upon Our Lady? Well, in the New Testament, the cloud is, is, is a representation of the Holy Ghost. We see this at the transfiguration of our Lord, where you have all three persons present. You have, of course, God the Son present. He's the one being transfigured. You have the voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son. And then you have a cloud descending, overshadowing the apostles on Mount Tabor. And the cloud, explains St. Thomas Aquinas, is the Holy Ghost, or represents the Holy Ghost. And when we look at the words that Scripture uses when the Scripture speaks of the cloud descending upon the apostles or the cloud descending upon the Ark of the Covenant, we say, is, there, is that word found anywhere else? There is another place where we find that word. It's in the mouth of the angel Gabriel. And the angel Gabriel is speaking to Our Lady. And he tells her what's going to happen to her. He says that the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. And this is the exact same word that is used for the cloud overshadowing the Ark of the Covenant. Or the cloud overshadowing the apostles at, on Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration. The only difference is, it's no longer a cloud. It is God himself. And what happens when the Holy Ghost overshadows Our Lady? Something enters into that sanctuary of Our Lady's womb. Something enters into that inner sanctum, the new Ark of the Covenant, that is far superior to the three things that were contained in the old Ark of the Covenant. Instead of having the Ten Commandments, God's covenant, God's words that 
were represented his contract with the people of Israel, you have the word of God, not the words of God, but the word of God, God himself. Instead of having the manna, which is physical food to, uh, to nourish the, the bodies of, of the Israelites and, and all their wanderings in the desert, you have the bread of angels, the very flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ, which nourishes us in the blessed sacrament. Instead of having the rod of Aaron, the symbol of his priesthood and by which he exercised his power, you have the eternal high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is ordained a priest in the basilica of Our Lady's womb at the very moment of his conception. So you see, my dear faithful, that we don't need to have Indiana Jones look for the the Ark of the Covenant for us because we have a New Testament Ark of the Covenant so far superior to that Old Testament Ark of the Covenant. It does not have this new Ark of the Covenant. Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, does not have a cloud representing God, overshadowing her. She has God himself in her womb. She's not a chest of wood. She's a most pure and holy virgin. And if we, we consider the fact that the old Ark of the Covenant was, was lost and cannot be found perhaps by the will of God, we do not have to look for this new Ark of the Covenant. We know where it dwells. This new Ark of the Covenant has entered into the Holy of Holies with our Lord to dwell there forever. Heaven, heaven itself, she is there, still incorruptible, still like pure gold, still like that acacia wood, dwelling gloriously, reflecting the glory of God, just as the Old Testament reflected the glory of God, where she will dwell forever. So, my dear faithful, what should be our relationship with Our Lady as this new Ark of the Covenant? Well, consider how how much respect and honor the Israelites gave to the Ark of the Covenant that God had them build, how, how much they esteemed that Ark of the Covenant, how much they respected it. We must have all the more respect for the Blessed Virgin Mary, this pure virgin who has been given to us by God to be our mother in the supernatural order. We must have this great desire to honor her, to love her, to pay her as much homage as possible. And then secondly, we, we must, as it were, make use of, of Our Lady's motherhood over us in all of our battles in this life. You might know that, that one of the things that the Israelites did with the Ark of the Covenant is, is they would take it out to war. When they were fighting against their enemies, they would go get the Ark of the Covenant. They would bring it out of the tabernacle. And they would take it out to the battlefield. Whenever they would have the ark there, they would defeat their enemies. It was only on one occasion they lost when the ark of the covenant was out there. So too with us. If, if we have this close relationship with Our Lady, if we, if we have her with us, if we, if we live in that constant state of dependence upon her, which is the essence of, of the total consecration to Our Lady, if we live in that state of constant dependence upon her, we will be able to conquer all of the deceits of the devil. She will guide us 
as the Ark of the Covenant guided the Israelites, she will guide us to our heavenly home where she dwells. Let us make a special effort during this month of May to honor this most blessed mother, this new Ark of the Covenant, this pure virgin, this most beautiful woman who has been given to us by God so that we may participate in her triumph one day in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.